Uh, you know what did not happen today? A lot of things happened today. But DC Comics did not show up. DC Comics did not show up. Uh, they're enjoying a little uh, spa treatment in Troutdale, Oregon. Oh, Troutdale. Yeah. Oh, Troutdale. God, yeah, go you know what I love about Troutdale? Troutdale is uh, nothing. It's terrible. Do you think that DC's proposed possible 5G event was to be related to AT&T's 5G that they're now trying to get everybody like to upgrade their 5G phones for so they can be using 5G. I don't think that's it. That seems, that seems like too much of a coincidence to me. It seems like too much of a coincidence that this parent company is trying to get everyone's upgraded 5G phones to their 5G network now and their DC comics are going to be 5G. Sure about these, these 5G towers they got going up with like the, those are the ones that cause coronavirus. Yeah, and like uh, they got estrogen, which is great. Yeah. 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 Hey, everybody, welcome to Perfectly Accessible Episode Podcast. Hey everybody! Welcome <laughs> to the perfectly acceptable podcast, episode one hundred and ninety-four. Again, <laughs> I did call all of one ninety-three one ninety-four. That was my yes. bad. And um, this is actually one ninety-four now, right? This is one ninety-four. We're living is in this, the moment. How much math do we have to do to make this episode one thousand? Um, I'm sure we could talk to either high ups at DC or Marvel, and they know all about how to twist numbers to make it seem like it's an anniversary yeah. issue. Which which legacy number episode is this? Whoa. Don't call it a comeback. Who was, <laughs> whoa, Brayden. Hi. Um, Brayden's here. Uh, comic shop. We owed it. We brought it. It's we, every Tuesday. UPS, not really anymore. Jana. UPS, FedEx, comic books in the DHL. shop. Not really DHL e-commerce. They called today. The they want, they want to talk to you, Jeff. <laughs> oh, good. Good. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know how my name got out there. Um, and then we come well, back Well, it's because here. I said they could talk to Django or Jeff. And they're like, all right, I'll talk to Jeff. I'm like, yeah, that, <laughs> the one you I, can pronounce. I, exactly. I feel more confident in my ability to pronounce that name. And, and then we come back here uh, after having read the comic books, or as many of them as we can, on a day of the week, during the week, to engage in a variety of tangents, either related to or unrelated to the comic books that we read that week, the comic shop that we don't spend as much time in as we used to, or the comings and goings of our lives. I'm Jeff, and look at this foursome. I'm Django, and I'm the foursome fourth. I'm, I'm Braden, and I'm, I'm the foursome awakened. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Roman, and I... I lost it i was can't make the star wars joke i meant to make <laughs> hey uh i'm gonna work i'm gonna try something uh i'm gonna try and give us an order for books or just you know a number of books and you know i don't have half of them here with me because i haven't read some of the ones we're gonna talk about so God. this might not be the order that it all comes down to um but uh i've got this week we're gonna be talking about in some various incarnation of these uh this order detective comics 1027 Django's helping me out. That's really nice of him. Oh, he just hit himself in the silly face, though. Oh, he did. That silly, silly guy. Um, and then Ooh. we're going to be talking about Roman's pick, which was... Uh, I've my, dropped the ball, everyone. My I've dropped the ball. Once my in pick. future. Oh, pick. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> hey, it's all good. Detective we... Comics, 1027. We're going to talk about X-Men number 12 and Giant Size X-Men number one, Storm. We're also going to talk about X-Men Marvel's Snapshot number one, 
there's a lot of different snapshots. We're going to talk about Iron Man, number one. We're going to talk about Stillwater, number one. We're going to talk about Once in Future, number 11, and come clean about something that maybe everyone has been confused about. We're also going to talk about Conan, Battle for the Serpent Crown, number five, and Slaughterhouse, number, is, it, is that the first issue, Slaughterhouse, number one? It's just a, it's a graphic novel. It's 1,010 pages long. Django. Slaughterhouse it was five, number 1,000. It was a joke. I know Jeff, it's Slaughterhouse five. Didn't you handle these when they came out after we talked to Jana at UPS and when we were sorting them and counting them? I, hand, I handled it, I thought. Okay. I think I did a good job. Yeah, I, I think you did too. Am I in trouble? No, I just, I thought it was clear that this was a book by the heft and the, the hard cover of it. I was making a joke with Slaughterhouse number five. Oh, like gosh. maybe it was number one. Now I feel like a jerk. Well, bud. Thank you, this is your second podcast. I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy that you are feeling like a jerk now if this is the first time like wow welcome i'm glad yeah is this what roman always feels like when Whoa. he's talking to you yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's always like man that guy's a jerk <laughs> yeah. hey listen we gotta talk about detective comics 1027 by everyone i, I, read, up. I didn't read, read every, every name single one. Wow. okay i will we have Religion one blowback <laughs> by Peter Tomasi and Brad Walker. Odyssey by Marv Wolfman and Emmanuel Lupacino. The Masterclass by Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez. Detective number 26 by Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham. That's Many not the half order of the stories. It's not the order <laughs> of the stories, <laughs> Roman. I'm going left then right. Um, <clears throat> and hey, Roman. Uh-huh. You can I'll see you can you can just go right on to heck right there. That's what you can do. <laughs> Um, I lost my order in the wrong You're, order. You said Detective 26. Many yeah. happy returns, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. Legacy, Tom King, Walter Simonson. Rookie Greg Rucka. I'm glad somebody finally said it. Eduardo Risso. <laughs> As always, Scott Snyder and Ivan Reese. Ghost Story by James Tinian IV, Jimmy TIV, as he's still affectionately called, coined by Braden, and Riley Rossimo. Four by Kelly Sue DeConnick and John Romita Jr., Generations Fractured by Dan Jurgens, Kevin Nolan, and A Gift by Mariko Tamaki. I read seven of those 12. And Dan Moore, thank you. Yeah, but who, was, who were the colorists on those stories? But I read 12 <laughs> names of uh, stories and then 12 writers and 12 artists. I didn't want to take up that much time. I thought maybe we would get to it when we were going, going through each of them. You know? Oh, okay, okay. No, I, I was just yanking your bat chain. <laughs> My bat chain. Yank chain. That's it. That's the theme to Bridge Over the River Kwai. Okay, now let's tackle these in the right order. And I'm going to give you a spoiler. I didn't read the first one, ladies and gentlemen. Wow, you skipped the very first one. I went. I went by the creators or the artists that made me the most excited. And I, while I like Tomasi quite a bit, Brad Walker's art doesn't really super do it for me. But it is really nice in here. But yeah, well, I, I would say. Maybe maybe you guys will have a different opinion, but I would say Jeff, you didn't meet you didn't miss anything by skipping oh. this one. Yeah, oh. it was it was it was fine. I, I I don't I didn't get what happened at the end totally. What uh, what is early, this one about? It's about Batman escaping from a trap uh, and trying to remember where he was before he got trapped. Okay. Yeah, it's basically it's some mystery. There's there's some cool deductions happening, but. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there was some cool stuff, but mainly it's a um, it's an exposition exercise to introduce a bunch of Batman villains in case you've never read or seen a Batman thing. I mean, um, I don't think I don't think it's 
That's one way to look at it. I don't think Peter Grimes is like, all right, time to introduce all the the Rose Gallery of Fat Man to all these new readers and make sure in episode one thousand twenty seven that they meet the Riddler. Yeah, well, I felt I felt like yeah, the editors were like, you know, first story, Tomasi, introduce him to a bunch of Bat characters for us, okay? <laughs> Set the stage. I'm sure that that was a discussion that they had because yeah. they seem to do it in all these big issues. Like, okay, you know, well, now we need one that goes through the history. Yeah, <laughs> but, but Brain's right. At the end of it, the very last page. I was a little confused because Batman's escaped or whatever, and there's this guy that has a coal and he's talking his laptop. And Batman I was waiting for up. some big re- yeah reveal, and it's like this guy, yeah. and like I think it's a joke that he doesn't realize that Batman's alive, but he's talking. I'm I don't know. It was weird. yeah. Batman shows up and surprises him, and the guy sneezes, and all of a sudden Batman's behind him, and he Batman leans in and says, "Gazoon tight." Yeah, I can I can tell you guys why why the sneeze was important. Oh, yes, man, I thought it, I actually thought I've, that it was I've, pretty clever. I feel like you, you if anyone's going to know what a bodily function means, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be Django. Mm-hmm. So it was on, on page two when Batman's going through the list of um, his problem and, and leading up to the problem. A sneeze. He's remembering sounds. One of them is a sneeze. Uh. At the end, the guy sneezes and it gives him away. And I, I thought that's really cool to use a sneeze as kind of a fingerprint. I was just going to talk about the second story, which is... Uh, Basically, all of the Bat family sort of runs into each other on a rooftop murder. Bendis' they... excuse to write a bunch of Bat family characters hanging out. Yeah. And I'll take a Bendis-written Bat family hanging out story. It made me feel like I could feel Roman's clenched jaw, you know, <laughs> while he was reading it. I could feel Roman's <laughs> disdain for it. But I really like this story. Roman, don't good. you... Don't you come at me with that. Everyone tells me that that Roman doesn't like Bendis, but every Bendis book I've heard him talk about has been one he's liked. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, Yeah, I I really liked that one. It is just an excuse to get everybody together, but they find a a dead body and all of the Bat family shows up kind of unorganized and they're just sort of like making jibs at one another and they all finally crack this code and it's all just this nice wrapping for Batman to say, you did good. Yeah, I, I didn't really get follow the the entirety of the mystery. Me neither. Oh, it doesn't matter. The, yeah, 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 the dialogue is, <laughs> is really fun. Well Batman, um, well, Batman killed this guy and left him there to see if the Bat family could solve. Classic Batman. Yeah, sure. It's a test. Yeah, no, there's there's a great uh, exchange between uh, Damien and Tim Drake where uh, Damien's like, "The air is clean. No one's poisoning us." And Tim's like, it's open air. And he says, I've been poisoned in open air before. <laughs> you know, the, weird thing that like Bat family members would talk about and have experienced. I could have done without the the dead guy just being basically uh, a mashed up version of Bullock and Jim Gordon. I guess so. I can see that. He's just like a schlubby Jim Gordon. I got really yeah. excited when they first said his name because I thought it was like a, a villain that was like about like, doing like Dungeons and Dragons crimes yeah, 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 or something yeah. like <laughs> Detective yeah. Dungeon. Yeah, I was I was I was excited, but no, it's just a dude. Yeah, it's, that was just like a bantery story. That was fun. I I thought it was a pretty cool get to get Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction together on a Batman story. Yeah. Yeah. This was yeah. sex criminals in Gotham City. Exactly. I think that was how they pitched it. I think that was the main solicitation note. I love yeah. this one because it's just this idea of every month since year one, Joker has given <laughs> Batman a present in the form of some horrible or insane or nonsensical thing. And after years, one day it hasn't happened yet. So he's like, there's only several more hours yet. Things are going to get totally fucked up. And then he just shows up and Batman beats the crap out of him. 
and then it kind of flashes. It, it gives us this, this fantastic panel that I'm sure will be immortalized online everywhere where Batman super pissed off this single panel where he says, give me my birthday present. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's got the most, where is she energy in it? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Martha. Great. I love Although it. I did the in the panel right before year twenty two month four of just like the childish drawing <laughs> of Batman and Joker holding hands like yeah oh and also there's the the reference uh, year four month three where um, it's like that sex criminals cover with Matt and oh and Chip, but it's, it's the Joker and Batman that is so good I didn't it's realize like, that very cute and also at some point at the end when when he's beating him up. Joker calls him Bruce. So I guess this Joker war thing where Joker knows who he is is going to stick. Has like he found booger. out that he's Bruce? Oh, I guess that's true. He's taken over the whole the whole thing. I guess so, yeah. Because some, some of these stories seem to be in continuity and some don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good point. I, I like the future ones in it. I love Eduardo Riso's art in that next one. I uh, love Greg, Greg Rucka and Risso. Eduardo Riso's oh, yeah. art as well, but I did not read this one. I really like this story. Um, yeah, tell me it was about that, it. For some reason, it was the first one I read, um, and it's just about a a young a young black woman who joins the Gotham Academy to become a cop, and it's about the uh, the racism and and corrupt cops that she starting from like day one that she has to deal with not only in the academy but once she's a cop and what that does to her, how it discourages her, and she goes through a a period of thinking, well, crap, maybe they're right, and I should just look the other way and be like these other corrupt cops and, you know, to get through my day. Um, But then Gordon and, you know, some other good cops inspire her to, no, keep on being a good cop and don't give up. It was a great don't give up story like a sort of a slice out of Gotham central or something like yeah. it's Rucka yeah. and just sort of dealing with the cops there as opposed to Batman's direct role in it. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, the Batman doesn't even show up in it. Well, at the very end, he's in the last, yeah, in the last two, two panels. Yeah. And he's, he's uh, when she gets sworn in, he's watching from the rafters. Mm, that's good. But oh, yeah, it, that story, it, it's been a while since I felt like watching a good, um, like good cop, bad cop movie like uh training day or something like that um just because it that that's got a lot a different weight to it right now but mm-hmm. this made me want to watch something like that hey i didn't read right, the osmo one either it's uh it's good it's fun I, it's really just the rossmo art that's the most fun with it it's because you just get to see really caricatured kind of versions of like batman and robin with their crazy big eyes and stuff there's yeah, some dead man stuff with ghosts that's kind of cool but and there's a it's a has a sweet ending too but his but. art trajectory is so interesting to me it's like gone from being pretty much more realistic than it is now to being very uh, exaggerated and i i think that he's gonna find himself on like a perfect like comic series adapting batman the animated series or something like that like it's a very Ooh. cool saturday morning cartoon kind of art style the standout bit for that one, and for me, other than Dead Man, there was some cool Dead Man stuff, but uh, it's Jimmy TIV getting one step closer to the character Tub Thumper with the Spectre Collector. <laughs> um, I was not going to read 
the next one, just because I don't like John Romita Jr.'s art, but then I decided, since it was Kelly Sue DeConnick re- writing it. It's such a wild combo, right? Like Kelly Sue and JRJ. It's a wild combo. It's a wild combo. And I actually really liked this issue a lot. It was good. And even the, the, the art was uh, kind of cool, too. I totally agree. It was, it was like the least offensive John Romita Jr. art that I've read in the common. Yeah. In a while. Also, I just love that uh, Bruce has a portable floating umbrella. With a heat lamp built into the it so he can hang lamp. out in the, the rain. What a bastard. Yeah, what what a good job of making himself seem like Bruce Wayne is a total dick. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll... so yeah, you're in the DC universe. There's technology that we don't normally have. That I'll buy that that's a thing that is just kind of, you know, it's like a sharper image catalog item for Bruce Wayne. But do you think Kelly Sue came up with that? Or do you think John Romita came up with that? I bet Kelly Sue did. I, I think that it's good writing. Like, I think it, it's, it's written into it, right? Doesn't he comment on his, like, inability to want his pretty hair to get messed up yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Django, can you take a look at panel number two of this issue? Of this? Sorry, that, that story. That story? And Bruce underneath that <clears throat> heat lamp? Mm-hmm. Do you think that's an art mistake, like on his shoulders there, whatever's happening with those dots that are there? What happened? Oh, that's there? a good question. Well, no, I, I think it's on purpose because it's it's just the rain falling. It's on the caddy people. too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's it's on the guy's meeting too. Yeah, I think it's just it's a, a weird I, choice. I think it's like a filter got messed up. It could Ooh. be. Um. Hey, what I was thinking about this was that Django once told me that you're not allowed to record people and use that as evidence in court. Uh, It varies by state. Yeah. And Washington's not into it? Washington is a two-person consent state when it comes to recording conversations. So we both need to know that you're being recorded. Okay. But yeah, I do love that he was basically just talking to this real scummy dude who wants to buy a piece of property that Bruce doesn't want to sell. And he owns it. And it's got some Batman stuff or crime stuff going on there. But he gets this guy to admit to doing some shady stuff while he's recording him. And then Gordon comes in and arrests him. And yeah. it just showed his efficacy at being a crime solver, even out of the costume. And I really like that. Yeah. Do, do you all think Batman is actually bad at golf? Or does he know how to play golf? Mm. He's so good that he can pretend that he's bad. Hey, I didn't oh. read the Odyssey, nineteen thirty-seven. Mm. Neither did I. I did. Is that like the that? next story? Oh, it's I did. Marv Wolfman, guys. It's the Wolfman. I'm, I'm, go- I'm gonna oh. read it. I just haven't got around to it yet. Well, Romy's not into the Wolfman anymore. It's pretty good. Did you I read? Love it, the Wolfman. I did. It's all right. Yeah, I like I like stuff that shows the history of Bruce Wayne's parents or or family. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this is like Thomas Wayne's grandfather is on the, or father is on the ship um, that blows up. And then later on, Bruce is, is getting ready to go down and try to save the artifacts from the ship. And it, like this has, this has boat disasters. It's got detective work. It's got Nazis and it's got <laughs> murder. Like, well, that's, it's awesome that it I'm is in. tying in with like the Morrison stuff because that great grandfather on the boat is, is Return of Bruce Wayne number five as the body that Bruce goes in as he's jumping forward oh, is it? time. Nice. No, it's not. It's not. What do you think of this, uh, this panel where they're exploring the boat, they find the bodies that come out of the, the room 
and this this woman gets uh, hit with a wrench in the back of her head while mm-hmm. underwater, and it says "wrench" as a sound effect underwater. Huh. It's an interesting one. Hey, I read the Grant Morrison one. Read- oh, really? I read yeah. the Grant Morrison one too. <laughs> Are you guys uh, going to read it for the uh, Batman in Quarantine? I did think it would be kind of Ooh, funny to do uh, just a, like a fill-in 15-minute episode since it technically is Grant Morrison writing Batman. So what what is this one? A guy decides to start fighting crime because of a tragedy in Gotham City and he knows it very well. And on the nights he goes to start being a crime fighter and, who's, and he's gone through all the same ringers kind of like Batman. Then Batman shows up and he's like, well, this guy's better than me and he decides not to. Yeah, yeah, but before we get much. to all that, before we get to all that, okay, okay, this one had the shadow reference in it. Oh, mm-hmm. on that first one. page, yeah, the, yeah. The, I mean, the sticking pins where bloomed the bitter weeds of crime. I love yeah. this one. The fact they called it Detective Twenty Six. So, what, what's Detective Twenty Six? Was is that Detective Batman, Comics Twenty Six? Yeah, Batman first appeared in Detective Twenty Seven. So this guy. Oh, can, oh, can, okay, pre- okay, okay, okay. Plus, he also refers to himself as you know, random detective number twenty six. Yeah, but he's in the bar one. with uh slam bradley right that was cool too yep and slam bradley, bradley is actually in detective comics number 26 the comic yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah. really really well yeah. slam, slam bradley and steve carson who i had to look up was another person that appeared in action comics number one who was did, like around for like i don't know three years back then that was one of dc's other except he was a fed he was a fbi guy I like the detective 26 drop just because it's like this is the guy who was trying to do it right before batman yeah. But then was just sort of too slow and not quite there, and <laughs> yeah. then Batman became Batman. Just just did it after. better and way cooler. Yeah, I yeah, just like this... Chris Burnham's art. The shot of Batman jumping through the glass window and coming down, like the angle, just the way that the costume is scrunchy, everything about it. I just like, I like Chris Burnham's art, and mm-hmm. I wish that I was super into the book that he's putting out right now. Yeah, those first three panels when the camera zooms in on the silhouette of the silver ghost on that rooftop and the way it kind of zooms up behind him and then over the top of him. It's, it's just so cool. The only thing that, that would knock this story down from a 10 for me is the use of the term mood board in the twenties. <laughs> I, I liked that this, I loved that it left open the idea that I wonder if this guy has a deep resentment against Batman. He's going to come back at some point. Like Morrison, if you want to create a random <laughs> character at some point, you do it. Cause I bet that you'll bring it up at some other point. And I hope that he's working on those Dick Grayson, oh Damian Wayne untold bat stories right now. Um, Dang, what did how you guys about think Walt of the Walt Simonson Simonson? Yeah. What, how did y'all feel about Walt Simonson's art? I haven't read that one yet either. Tom like King writes it. Drew this glowing skeleton a whole lot. He drew a, a lot. He was probably really excited to draw that glowing skeleton. I think that's I, I hope he was because he sure drew it a lot. <laughs> he drew the shit out of it. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but it's Dr. Phosphorus, isn't it? It yep. is. Yeah. Who's, who's the villain in one of the verse, first Batman stories I ever read? If you wow. say so. I've, I've never heard of him, so I, I, it seems like he didn't do that great of a job. Like I don't think he's appeared what, since the he, like not early 90s. All he wanted to do was be remembered. Uh, oh, maybe that's the first time hearing of it. Yeah, maybe that's kind of the point, though. Like, he's a nobody, <laughs> but he just definitely want to be Roman. This one's kind of cool because he's got this radioactive dude, Dr. Phosphorus, and, and Batman is going and beating him up. And the whole time, he's like, you, Every time you punch me, like, you're getting cancer and you're gonna die, and you're gonna mm-hmm. know that when you die, I'm the one that killed you. And Batman doesn't stop, he keeps punching him, and he's like, There's a new cancer treatment that Wayne Technologies is developing, I'm gonna make sure you get it. He's like, I don't care. I'm just going to, like, don't you even care why I want to kill you? He's like, no, wow. all you need to know is that there's somebody that wants to help you. 
and it's he wrote it for Denny O'Neill. It's like dedicated to Denny O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Wow, that yeah. I'm thinking then that that sounds really familiar. I wonder if it's a reworking of that story that I read back as a kid, which must have been by Denny O'Neill, because that sounds exactly mm. like because that's how Doctor Foster's in that story I read back then was. Um, oh, I didn't read the next one, everybody. How did you feel about it? It was just uh, kind of a recap of uh, Blackest Night from Jim Gordon's perspective. Blackest Night, like the Morrison. Oh. Like the sun Sorry, disappears. the Jeff Johns, rather. What? The sun disappears? Wasn't that Blackest Night? No, that was Final Night. Crisis yeah, Night? Yeah, that was, that was Final Night. Night Crisis. I've never sun. heard of that. The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, yeah. I've seen that one. Will Smith. <laughs> There's a Twilight Zone episode where the sun disappears. I think Michael, uh, Michael this, Rennie. This was when uh, Jimmy TIV was was pretending that he was Jeff Johns. It, it was uh, he wrote a story called The Sun Taker. Hmm. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one seems like we can probably skip over it, even though it's Scott Snyder. So it was fine. It was was it fine? Yeah. Exactly fine. It was, I, yeah, it was it was fine. I really liked the um, the pinup by. Jim the, Chung, this one. That one, that was really cool oh, too. Sorry, the, really no, the excited. next one. The next one I really like by the Bermejo. Bermejo, because it's the the Batman and Robin serial from the nineteen forties. With oh, the Robin, I like the, the Robin. stitched mask. And yeah. yeah, and the, the Robin, the Robin actor was like thirty five. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> older than Batman, in fact. Is that Bert yeah, Ward? I think he was. <laughs> hmm. uh, the next one's fine. Apparently, it leads into a generation story that they're doing. Um, the first half of it is just kind of stock Kevin Nolan versus monsters art. And that's good. Um, and it, it turns out it's calendar man. Who's trying to burn down a museum that Bruce's parents funded or Bruce funded or something, but then something mystical happens and he turns into like super old school Batman uh, with the super pointy ears. And yeah. I thought, a new, I thought a new story had started. Um, yeah. I like, oh, I was excited to like, oh, I can start reading this again. And it looks like maybe Commandy is wearing skeets with Booster's downloaded brain in his yeah. arm. So, huh. Something just totally wild and out there. Okay, um, so I, I should read that one then. Yeah, it, it says continued in Generations Future State number one. And that is the, exactly the kind of comic that I would normally skip. But this... I mean, that's, a, know, that's a real mouthful of a name. You throw I like, Booster in something and I'm probably going to begrudgingly read it i like commandy <laughs> with a booster glove and then i also like the sort of that shot of batman sort of getting degenerationed, like going mm-hmm. you know there's like five shots of him looking progressively more like dated art and i like that we get back to him in purple gloves again yep yep, yep. <laughs> i um liked the last story a lot in spite of it having been sort of rooted in this joker war story that's coming out yeah. You hear about that Joker War? I've heard uh, a lot about that Joker War. Sounds pretty War. bad. This is <gasps> it's got something oh. to do with the black case book. Yeah, and I yeah. lost the thread a little bit with that part, but what I liked was it's... just the like Yeah, the like personal touches that were just thrown in here. I'd have to remember what they were exactly, which is like the little bits of dialogue. Guy who was um, like he was nice about the ramen he ate but then later when he's talking to his partner he's like yeah it was too salty <laughs> yeah yeah like weird stuff like that of just sort of like oh you're human beings and you're not just in here as plot devices to get us from one scene to the other yeah and and that happened like a handful of times and i thought that was 
pretty charming. So, and it says that this story is being continued in Joker Batman. War. New well, the mystery of the detective. black casebook continues in the pages of the So right. I wonder if Mariko Tamaki is going to be writing portions of that. Yeah, I would like that a lot. I would cool. like that much more than where we're at with Detective. But also, yeah, I like I like the Dan Moore art and uh, mm-hmm. Timber Bonvillain uh, colors, especially the, colors. the explosion that happens was really, uh, you know, a bad thing that was happening, but also very pretty. Yeah, like the amount of purples and the shadows, like and it's like green, those yellows yeah. and purples and greens. It's cool. So that's that book. I mean, it's hard to talk effectively about a whole bunch of short stories when there was 12 of them. Yeah, let's, I, let's all put a number on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I did think that this was better than a lot of those 100-page anniversary giants that have come out in the last six months. Like, I think mm-hmm. that I liked the creative teams that I read in here a lot more, and I am pretty comfortable just not reading the ones that didn't interest me. But all the ones that I read, I thought were pretty good. I didn't, I didn't have really any negative yeah. feelings about any of the ones that I read. I think they're all worth reading. Yeah, like, like I don't, it's, I don't uh, think any of them are any worse than an issue of Batman right now. Yeah, you get reading. your money's worth for it. Um, I'm, I'm still a little miffed that we get another uh, Detective Comics 1000, like almost within a year of the last one. That's <laughs> true. They made a big old stink about Detective 1000, and now it's 27 issues later, which is not an. It's like, oh, this was a different. Type. Um, okay, listen. We spent you know our casual 30 minutes on our first book, like we always do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's can we talk about these two Hickman X-Men books um, just as a sort of joint thing the giant size X-Men number mm-hmm. one Storm by Hickman and Dowderman and then X-Men number 12 <laughs> Hickman and uh, Lineal Francis Yu both of them well actually I guess they were more separate than I remember I yeah just read them right at right one after another and and I think that I really liked the giant size X-Men I read that beforehand the Russell Dowderman art is phenomenal but I, I can't help but feel like between both of these issues, like the pacing is kind of confusing and herky-jerky. Like issue number two is when like Krakoa found the Araco part and then we jumped yeah. to like some other stuff. <clears throat> and then I don't really even remember the scene super well where like they were fighting or interacting with the children of the vault and Storm got infected with this virus that is- That like, was in a giant of- size, wasn't it? Did that- or- well, they found out about the virus in Giant Size, first... Emma and Jean Grey, but exactly the other one was like issue three or four, and it was off-panel, right? Like they went in the thing, and then they came out like Storm is sick. Was did Storm go into the vault? I can't even remember. They, they I can't remember. I think all the kids ran back to the vault. Uh, like the children of the vault ran back to the. I I don't remember. I need to find yeah. that part. But even still, it was introduced in probably like issue five or six and then was picked up in these giant sizes. And I really like the whole X-Men unit. Like I, I, I think that they're doing a cool job of trying to really make sure that there's several X-Men series coming out and they're all sort of happening within a similar time frame, and they're all related and they're meeting and talking about all these things and try to coordinate. But I think especially with COVID, some of the organization for it seems kind of just sort of like, all right, am I, do I have to remember something from like six months ago? And like, what book was that in? Mm-hmm. And how do I know what that was? But that being said, the two, like the two Doubterman giant size X-Men issues, I think do stand together really, really well. And I really liked this first one, this, this second one rather. And I just, I just kept going while you were or, saying something, Braden, what were you going to say? No, there's was nothing. But yeah, no, it's a good issue though. Um, Doubterman's really good. 
uh, I love the the aim henchman is great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Braden Jan- Hickman writes amazing <laughs> aim characters like from his Avengers run in his Fantastic Four run, and just you saying that just makes me actually feel like a lot of aim henchmen written by Hickman are like things that Braden would be tickled by a little bit. <laughs> like he consistently puts them in everything, and I think he just enjoys them. Yeah, they're they're fun. And this this one in particular. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was a it was a fine story. We kind of wrap up the stuff that happened in the giant Phantom X too, with his mm-hmm. with the world and his clone twin brother person. That but, one's tricky because it is that part does anchor pretty heavily on having read the Morrison X Men run. Like that okay. character is a portion portion of that, and it they have to go into the world and see that character. So. Um, as he's popped up in, in a couple of these issues now, that that part has felt like it's probably pretty difficult for people who haven't read that pre-existing mm. run. I mean, I think X-Men on the whole can X-Men feel like that. Yeah. Um, I I like the giant size X-Men quite a bit. I didn't like the X-Men number 12 all that much. There was uh, a lot of like, exposition. I it, like I was in school, kind of. I I had a spot where I thought you jumped off. Django and I, uh, I muscled through or I skipped the page yeah yeah no I mean I, I bet that you read the whole thing but there was a part where I was like I bet this is where Django was like fuck off um, I'm sure you're right wherever it was because that was kind of my feeling from when they stopped using word balloons and started using square dialogue bubbles yeah that's, yeah. yeah a mutant history of Araco probably yeah and also um, there's something about the the can I just tell you the I found the bubble Django uh, yeah. and it's 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 this image, but the bubble says well it's not a bubble it's a square like you pointed out yeah, it says like I fucking hate Iska had been sent to invite Genesis to parlay with Annihilation the god of Amenth at the seat of the Golden Helm's power in the capital city of Amenth and I read that and I was like oh I think Django is out <laughs> there's so many proper nouns I was, yeah proper nouns and just like fictional political hierarchies and social hierarchies that you just have to say okay i bet that that structure and culture is organized that way it, you kind of have to just go with it and be like and i think that's the kind of thing when jane was like fuck you i'm not gonna like hold tentatively possible different power hierarchies in my head while i'm trying to read a comic book yeah yeah i mean because he just introduces like basically a whole world and yeah, he, like this one issue, and it's like, all right, here's the history of this entire world where you know the actual first mutants were hanging out. I was like, what? Like, yeah, here's the tell. I'm not okay. going to show. I'm just going to tell. So let's just do a real quick pitch of what that was. This issue is the summoner who was introduced in issue like two or three, the all white Hickman esque character with the you know the black glyphs on their chest. But basically, what they're saying here is that Krakoa, the origin of Krakoa, um, it was originally a different island, kind of like there's Pangaea, and I forget what mm. the name of that Okara, and Okara existed, and then something happened where some bad things happened, was... and the island was split, and like Apocalypse, yeah, and like Apocalypse, like was part of that split, or like stopped the split from spreading to Krakoa by cutting off. Arako, yeah, and then, like sealing it in this other dimension, and now, and so that's yeah. why they were building this gate in Excalibur. Exactly, which you should read before reading this issue. And if that you got has it. been kind of like 
from the first issue of Excalibur, that has been the sort of like the slow background plot that has been happening is that yeah. Apocalypse has been trying to build a Krakoan gate to Otherworld. <laughs> and now we know that it is because through Otherworld, we can get to Arako. Mm. Uh, Get on new readers like crazy. (laughs) Yeah, which is the portion of Krakoa that was fissured off and then had to be sealed in this other dimension where these demons were coming from. But here we get the whole alternate history of that portion of Krakoa that is sealed in a different reality and has a bunch of mutants on it and they have their own rich alternate history. Which, and and I, I... yeah, I, I, I do like that, you know, like Krakoa like has been established now, like as this place for all mutants and stuff. And I don't know if, you know, how uh, like sympathetic or uh, understanding Apocalypse actually feels about them. But like the the fact that he's like trying to like, OK, well, all mutants are welcome. Well, we got to get these mutants from way back when who were kind of fucked over. You know, we have to protect them, too. They're they're also mutants. And he like had a wife and she was like the ruler and main police force on Arako in this other dimension. And then she was killed. And what I liked is that basically mutantdom was separated and there's a whole Mm -hmm. culture and history that has been evolved in this other other, other place, other dimension or reality or physical space. And and the idea that they have been, they sort of have raised Apocalypse to this like deity type figure because he was the first mutant of the second generation. And he's so supposed to like, come back and save them all now. Yeah. Right. And, and I like that idea of like, oh shit, I don't think that these people who've been holding a rock or, or Apocalypse on this pedestal are going to be super pumped about <laughs> what mutant history has been like on our reality. Like it is not. Yeah. And they're not exactly like super good hero folk right now there's some more ambiguity to them so i really liked that dynamic that is set up with like okay these two things are coming together now and there's a lot of expectation on both sides and there's gonna be a lot of disappointment so so if apocalypse is the first mutant of the second generation of mutants are 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 the mutants that are on oak harbor and the other dimension are those is that the first generation of mutants yes i believe so well, I well, think not, that not they're the ones... still his children. Um, yeah. Oh. But the ones so who were initially separated and cut off. I think that, that was the first generation. Oh, okay. I was interpreting the first generation to be like Krakoa and stuff itself. You like reading Dungeons and Dragons guidebooks? Because that's what it felt like to me. Like, here's I a whole history that. of this culture that you have to internalize in order to tell this next part of the story. Well, I do like reading Dungeons and Dragons manuals okay. as a side note. Um, Mystery solved. This is what you love about Hickman and what I don't love about Hickman. Right. Like kind of boiled down into a single issue. Yeah. Um, what I did like about this was that Krakoa, Okara, and Arako are all anagrams of each other. Yeah. Of course, yeah. And... One other one other complaint I had was the the data page. I always kind of look forward to the data pages, but this one just felt like I was reading Magic the Gathering cards. Well, that one already was used in like issue two or three, which is the part that disappointed me about it. Which like when oh, I yeah, this summer, that's I true. I probably would have felt the same way then if I had had the vocabulary. I just learned about magic the other day. Oh, the gathering, uh, the gathering. Actually, yeah. a great way to get people together. Zandikar. I would give. X-Men number 12 and eight. I really liked it. Um, I'll give it a that, six. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, definitely we like got, a subjective eight. You got to put numbers on them, huh? 
Yeah, I would, I would give it a, I think I would give it a six also. Cause admittedly I read it when I was really sleepy last night, but I, I ended up just reading words and not knowing what was going on and being annoyed that their swords look stupid um, <laughs> and, and, and thrilled that Banshee's in it. Cause he's like my, one of my favorite Banshee I, and Eunice the untouchable. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm yeah. like, I was kind of getting bored, but by the end of it, I was like, whoa, what the fuck is Eunice going to do? Like, that's <laughs> yeah. exciting. Uh, I love that the, there's some reason that the two of them, their power sets work well together for this mission. I was like, oh, cool. I want to know about more about that. Yeah. And I, I want to say I give uh, Giant Size X-Men Storm like a nine. Uh, it's hard for me. I think like Dowderman issues are like such a thing mm. of beauty and the art, like the coloring is so gorgeous that they're incredible. I really liked that the way that they solve this virus thing that's killing Storm is by putting her in this the world machine that ultimately divides things. And so it's able to separate this technological virus from Storm and she comes out okay. But the virus has been kept in this thing and it's intelligence and it's gaining consciousness and sentience and it's now a, a unified singular thing. And you're just like, that is going to come back. And I'm excited for that to come back. Yeah, yeah I love that too. And I love Doug at the end talking to yeah. it. And yeah. yeah, that issue, the giant size X-Men storm. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll give that a nine too. I give uh, X-Men 12 a six and I think storm a seven. Also Excalibur 12 was really fun. I, I think if you like the expository stuff in this, I think you might dig uh, like the entirety of Excalibur does a lot of weird fun stuff with that. It's jumped around a bit as I've read it in some weird ways that I haven't always liked, but. Oh, I was just going to give Giant Size X-Men uh, probably a seven and a half. This is not my favorite Dodderman art. I think it's really good, but it's a little bit Luna. It's not as good as the, well, it's not as, yeah, I, I didn't like it as much as the first uh, one that he did. Oh. I forget what the next book on our list was. <laughs> I think that it was X-Men Marvel Snapshot. Hell yeah. The yeah. excitement continues. I wanted oh. to read this one. Brayden, this one is written by a gentleman who does a podcast about the history of X-Men with another gentleman. Do you listen to that podcast? Do you know about I, that? I don't. Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. I, yeah. I only started following Jay Eden on Twitter a while ago just because so many other people like, followed him and tweeted. I just would keep seeing him on my timeline. He had a lot of good takes on okay. you know, various topics. It just seemed cool and did this cool X-Men podcast. Um, I know he worked at Dark Horse uh, for, for a while. but. Okay dealt with some of the abuse and allegations that are coming up recently um anyway he's a huge cyclops fan and now he's writing this cool cyclops book and i love cyclops too and like and, and it's mostly a love drawn from the 90s cartoon of okay, a man with a, with a cool red visor that shoots uh lasers out of his eyes although you know there's there's debate about you know their their optic blasts or teleport portals to the sun or whatever <laughs> but you know cyclops is just cool like you know he's just a dude that uh shoots beams out of his eyes and you know that's like that's so it's just a distilled like what i like in a in a hero and that anyway this issue is kind of like a cyclops origin basically of like um he is he starts the the story of cyclops is that you know he lost his family in a plane crash uh, the plane's going down. His parents only have enough parachutes to put on him. And uh, what Havoc's, what's Havoc's name? Yeah, what is his brother's name? Alex. Alex. Alex Summers. Um, I don't know what, what the other Summers brother was or if he's been um, like... Vulcan. Gabriel. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know where where he was on this plane or or <laughs> he was, was fourteen. All, they let him stay at home. I think he yeah. was retconned. So did, did Xavier <laughs> remove him from the plane memory? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, so this this issue just kind of follows up directly after the the plane crash with uh, you know Scott being in an orphanage, trying to deal with that trauma and coming to terms with like what he wants to do with his life, kind of feeling directionless. Um, there's not a lot of action, but like there's so much like really just meaty character development, and it's it's all kind of taking place with this Marvel's kind of veneer over it of like it's not a super like nostalgic look but it feels like a very kind of classic style in the art tom riley does a really amazing job um with the it's, art it's almost like uh the fraction hawk hawkeye yeah, yeah uh, it, with with David the Ajo and stuff yeah. yeah i would yeah both both covers are great i love the alex ross one but i think um if you i think both are still available so you should order the uh the variant um if you're listening and want to check this out because the variant has tom riley's art as well and it I think it matches the vibe of the issue a lot better. But, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, while well, in this orphanage, you know, Scott sees, you know, the first footage on TV of, like, the Fantastic Four appearing and, like, kind of, like, the start of the superheroes and stuff. And he starts – there's these parallels with, like, you know, it starts at the beginning of the comic. Like, you know, four, a family of four get crawls into a cockpit. And, you know, mm. and then the same thing happens with the Fantastic Four. And he's drawing all these parallels with that, trying to figure out, like – he doesn't want to be like the Fantastic Four exactly. I mean, he kind of does. It's I'm doing a really bad job of summarizing it. <laughs> I love that, like, so Cyclops is a character that I've always really liked, too. I think, hard to trace my love for him back, probably just that fucking costume and power set from the animated series. I just it's think so it's, good. Like, it's so awesome. And, you know, they, they get to the heart of the Boy Scout stuff a lot of this, and, like, he... Mm. Yeah. He realizes, like, during, like, a, a seminar with, with Reed Richards or something that he's at where some, you know, disaster happens. And, like, he realizes, like, oh, I'm good at, like, staying calm in emergencies and figuring out what to do. So I should – He so he goes to the library after this event and he's like, I'm just going to read all these books on how to learn how to do everything. Like, here's one on how to change your engine, like, you know, wilderness survival, like, first oh, aid man. stuff. And the librarian's like, all right, maybe – maybe cool and just check out this book instead and she gives him like the art of war by uh sun tzu which is like a running thing apparently and cyclops appearances like throughout Mm x-men like he'll he'll have copies of of the art of war the only things that i didn't like about this because i thought the the issue on the whole was really good i didn't like that it jumps to 90s x-men for the last two pages um and i i understand why they did it but i would have preferred a different era of x-men Oof, um, I yeah wouldn't. yeah i know and that's that's like a kind of a generational yeah. difference between us yeah, i think you know for me like it's it's it was it was great for me because i got to see cyclops in his most iconic to me outfit exactly. and yeah so but then was, you also had to see gambit i love oh, gambit. i read gambit and excalibur <laughs> this week so uh there's some good stuff in that gambit excalibur <laughs> i was well, well okay you had to see havoc in his in his goofy 90s x jacket Hey Roman, um, I, what was your what was your feeling on the issue? We've talked about it. You you know Cyclops. You are a guy who sort of fulfills that Boy Scout role in my mind, in my life. You're my Cyclops, and I'm just the burly, burly Wolverine. Um, <laughs> Django laughed because he knows he's Wolverine. He's like, you think you're the Wolverine in any group? I'm too tall and sexy to be Wolverine. You can have him. <laughs> yeah, nice wow. chops. Wow, so Jeff, when are we, we going to end up living together on the moon and having like a three-way relationship? 
Uh, it Man. seems like a couple months down the road. I'm Wolverine. Point. No, I'm Wolverine. <laughs> you, you planted the seed when you got it with the house and powers, right? Cool. Well, I did. Pretty yeah, soon. it's true. Actually, those just died. They, they, I've had them out front for a while now. Oh, so we're not, we're not going to the moon. <laughs> yeah, the gate oh. didn't work. I just don't think I watered them enough. Oh, dang. <laughs> I really like this issue. Um, for all that you guys said and the fact that it felt so um, very early days Marvel- I mean, not only the references to the early FF and invaders kind of retroactive glimpses, but the villain that shows up at the end that rides a giant grasshopper, you know, Dr. Mantis, this mad scientist woman. Um, do we get scores on that puppy? I give it a 10. 10. Heck yeah, Ooh, Roman. Wow. First gooey duck. Um, First gooey duck of the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll give it a 9.5. Mm. Almost Gosh. a gooey duck. I'll give it an eight. There's I'm a, excited to read it. There's a really good uh, review on uh, Women Write About Comics uh, by Danny Kinney. Or not a review, a, an interview uh, that Danny does with uh, the writer that I read today was really good. Heck I yeah. I, I love that they let, like, that they, whatever happened to make this comic book be written by this author. Like, yeah, I, it sounded like, you know, like, yeah, I don't know who reached out to who, but like, it sounds like Kurt Busick was uh, very proactive in, in getting it all set up to and curated. It, good. It, more yeah. more people who love things and not people who are just married <laughs> into or born into comic writing would be awesome. I think that next up is Iron Man number one, which I'm also excited to read. Have not yet. Django, you picked this one. I'm not sure if the other gentlemen on the podcast have read it, but uh, I'm excited to hear it. about it. Heck Christopher yeah. Cantwell and Cafu. I don't care about Iron Man. Me like, neither. Just, just like from a base level, it he doesn't interest me a lot. I get it. He's kind of a rich asshole and he's got a cool costume and he cheats with technology all the time. It's one of the founding Avengers. <laughs> yeah, and Which doesn't mean he's was, cool. He was just there. He is if, cool. If it was about, <laughs> if it was about Tony Stark in that original shitty Iron Man costume, I would probably <laughs> like Iron Man a whole lot more. Like if he was trying to deal with low tech. Jango, I've <laughs> never actually agreed with anything that you've said until now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, this, for sure, the technology is like a cheat. It's just like every new revamp is like, how do we update his suit to be better than current technology? Which is like, I would rather just see like a dude in the day with a suit that was slightly better than, you know, like airplanes and shit. Yeah, like the Rocketeer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or uh, Ex Machina. There you go. Okay. Right? Like, sorry, just, I, I cut you off. So that being said, I enjoyed this comic quite a bit. It's, it's Tony kind of going through a midlife crisis. Um, he's basically gotten rid of most of his money he's um gotten rid of stark industries he's sabotaging all the rich people at his party by uh setting off an emp after he leaves so all their all their personal devices are screwed up um and instead he bought he's he's bought a muscle car and he's racing it with uh in in a fast and furious kind of situation with definitely dom Nice. Hanging out. Nice. Um, I love Dom. I do know what it is. It's that Christopher Cantwell is a pretty good writer. And she can, can fly you, for people yeah. who don't know. She could fly in the Doom series that Marvel put out not too long ago. Um, the that's Doom? still continuing. Right? The Doctor Doom, wasn't that? Oh, uh, yeah. Do- for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 Got delayed, but yeah. With Doom Kang was. and. Yeah. And this, you know, this has. Um, oh, what? Hellcat is in here. 
I thought it was weird that he didn't give her more rides places, but I guess she can run as fast as he can fly. What did you guys um, think about it? Like, I, I, it was good. Roman, you're an Iron Man. Well, you've been you you are on record now several minutes ago as being a big <laughs> Iron Man fan. Um, He's I one think of the founding I, Avengers. He's a founding Avenger. <laughs> can't disrespect him. Um, He's I, a I can and I will. I yeah, think, <laughs> I think all his different armor and it's always upgrading armor. I love all that. I mean, even the armors I don't care for. Because my favorite armor is his, the one he wore the longest, the Golden Avenger armor, which this armor in this issue is kind of an updating of that. I love the armor. It's so classic in this. It's a, Yeah, it's, it's, it looks only, really, really good. The funny thing is, uh, this armor, I was like, it's cool, but it'd be cooler. And I know that I'm the only, I'm in the minority thinking this. It would be cooler if it had the 70, the 60s, 70s um, ridges on the shoulders the ridge blades that have no no purpose for being are those like the the, the spider web armpits of iron man <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 for me and maybe joel o'connor i don't know <laughs> and i really liked all the dialogue with tony and hellcat i i didn't finish the previous series by dan slot so i don't know what happened with tony being freaked out because he's no longer a real boy and you know all of everything that was happening in that series. Because that was the whole point of the last series. He was having an identity crisis because he is a downloaded copy of his previous self, of (laughs) the real Tony Stark, as he had always put it. That's not mentioned here. Probably for the best. I wasn't personally very interested in that previous uh, conversation about where is life and what is it and computers. Yeah, and I've never really cared about iron man besides like you know the armor looks cool and it, it does the blasts uh the repulsor <laughs> blasts you know like the blast. um but uh, yeah i've never really cared about tony stark and, and this issue did not make me care about him either <laughs> like uh, a billionaire going through a midlife crisis was just like cool whatever <laughs> um but you know i did i did like the art a lot um I like that Hellcat's uh, dress is very much an homage to her actual costume, which seems like a weird choice for someone to make, like to wear to a party, but whatever. Um, Secret identity. Did you used to be a superhero? I I think that's a nod to like in previous series and things, she often tends to do that, wear civilian clothes that have Mm. the same colors as her costume. Gotta have that sash, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I appreciated that she called Tony on his bullshit, which which was nice. Um, and and like I said, like the art looks great, especially when you see him with the suit. But still, like I'm I'm just I'm not really invested in uh, in Iron Man at all. Like it's uh, again after reading this, I read uh, a review on when I write about comics again that uh, Louis Sky wrote that really I think summed up my feelings pretty well and probably much better than I could ever do. So check that out if you if you're curious. But I am. Yeah. Glad that like Christopher Cantwell is writing it. He wrote um, "She Could Fly" and seems mm-hmm. to like you know, which featured a, a female protagonist with like you know intrusive thoughts and obsessive compulsive disorder. And I really like that series. And yeah. I just given the writing of that book, I don't imagine that this. I would be surprised if this embodied a lot of the things about Tony Stark that I don't like, given his his pre existing writing career. And I do like that Doctor Doom series for what I've yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if um, there's there's more nuance to to the Tony's character like f- further issues in, but like as it stands, like I'm not really seeing it. It's yeah. got to be hard to take a character like that and if like if you're make me care about them. <laughs> well, yeah, like if 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 you're predisposed to not like billionaire assholes, how the fuck do you write an Iron Man story that Braden's gonna like? You know, like. 
or Jeff. I'm I'm yeah. totally on board. Like I've I he, he's a character that doesn't interest me because his personality doesn't interest me. It's also complicated by having this like Robert Downey Jr. thing where they're kind of basing it mm-hmm. off of an actor's portrayal of a character. And I think even his portrayal of it is kind of rooted in his likability as a person while also being clearly fallible. I think that's hard to write because it's kind of yeah. really based on an actor. And then the problem with it is for me is like, I think he was at his most compelling at a time where technology, at the time where technology was when the character was created over the 10 or 15 years after that. But at this point, we're talking about nanotechnology, microchips, like, you know, data in your blood. Like, how do you make that actually making bloodshot now? How do you make yes. that progressive and push this idea of like, well, I'm a superpower because I have this suit. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm a superpower. So does that redneck I, I saw on YouTube. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> so I, it's, but I mean, he is to quote Roman, a founding Avenger. And I, I saw yeah. Roman's face get red. Well, while I was just saying that, so. <laughs> that that's, I think that nuance is coming and hinted at in here since he's, to address that problem, Jeff, I think with technology, the fact he's kind of going back now to a simpler Iron Man sh- okay. suit. And I like the fact, I like the way Cantwell wrote these scenes where Tony having his midlife crisis and trying to do these cool things and failing at them, like the car, the car racing. And when the scenes, when he's apparently got a Twitter account or something, and he's trying to like make some post about oh look at this cool thing and everybody's just tearing him apart until he finally just deletes his account because he's like ah, i can't do this it's like too, okay i'm too well, old I, I would give it a seven and a half i would have given it a seven but i like seeing tony get shit all over by twitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that that was good i th- i'll give it an eight i love that Alex ross cover too fighting his classic villains yeah I think uh, I think I like a I think a four and a half, like mostly because of the art, which I really liked. Well, listen, I read Stillwater. In the interest of time, I'll make this kind of quick. Also, since Django, we got a PDF of this, and I remember that he had read some of it. Um, but I don't thought I read it, it all, Jeff. But it's Chip Zdarsky <laughs> and Ramon Perez. Ramon K. Perez. I don't think I don't think Roman's Ramon Perez. Roman Perez. Um. No, I am not. Okay. As far as you guys know. Um, but uh, this is a new image book by Chip Zarsky, and it follows two pretty shitty dudes, and one of them gets fired from his job, and then gets in a fight at a bar, and just seems like a dude who just won't stop fighting. And mm-hmm. then Barfing. his like, even so- shittier buddy um, takes him home for the night after he gets beaten up after being belligerent and drunk, and he gets a letter from a family member that says he has an inheritance. He has to go to this small town to get it. So he and his buddy drive out there and get out of the big city to go check it out. Turns out it's a very, very small, small town. And there's no, not on any roadmaps or signs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and they get there and a kid is a fighting another kid off of a building and the kid falls off and um, should have died. Doesn't die. There's a shitty cop. It turns out it seems like within the boundaries of this town, people don't die. And then this weird, really aggressive, scary cop takes those two protagonist out shoots one of them not our main guy is about to kill our main guy who was called to this town before a woman jumps out of a car and says that that's her son and that's the end of the issue and all of that to say i was pretty stunned at how like six pages in with a not very likable protagonist that like i was pretty interested in what was going on and why i was following this character and it it 
all of it made a lot of sense to make me want to read page after page. It was like a well-built story. And I'm pretty astounded that Chip Zdarsky is so talented. And it almost frustrates me from like Every down, time. <laughs> down to his art in Sex Criminals to his humor. And Detective 1027. To his writing for White Trees, which is totally different than Sex Criminals art because he's writing it to his daredevil stuff which is phenomenal mm -hmm. as a superhero book to now this stillwater book which is essentially a horror book that has more in common with the wicker man than anything else and i'm just the the art is really really great as well but i just think that's really well written and um chip zadarsky is like really good at all of the stuff that seems to be related to comics in my mind. I think he's a, a pretty fantastic writer. So creepy book image, number one, it's going to be an ongoing, or I'm not sure if they, there's no indication of how limited it is, but it's uh, pretty big, pretty good. I liked it a lot. What did the other people here who read it think of it? Um, I agree with everything you said. I was surprised. I mean, I was expecting it to be good, but yeah, I was surprised about how good because it starts off and, and I didn't like either one of the, the main character or his buddy. I mean, his buddy's a user and a jerk, it seems like. And the main character is just a dumbass, keeps on hitting bouncers and cops and everything. And But by the end, it's like, oh, my God, don't shoot. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really curious where it's all going. I mean, um, all things considered, like his friend is a pretty good friend to yeah. him. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah. both these characters are seem like pretty big assholes, but also like have these redeeming qualities that you're like that won't let you write them off completely yeah that's a, yeah, a really both... good point sorry i yeah. just like at the beginning he's fired for pushing someone who's stealing the credit for somebody else's work so you're like well you're an asshole but you're doing it for the right reason but his friends like well he's not even an asshole in that situation but he's an asshole kind of at the bar but um but his yeah, friend he's... is like you can't stop getting in fights and then they go to the bar and get in a fight and then he punches the cop and it's like dude you gotta stop punching people <laughs> yeah you gotta stop drinking and everything he's like but you're the one buying me the drinks yeah. <laughs> so you know he's maybe asshole's the wrong word he's he's really immature and can't control his emotions well and that's i think that's what chip Zdarsky's good at writing is characters that uh are contradictory and um nuanced and contain multitudes like i'm an asshole in some respects and i'm a nice guy in some respects like some some people have a different read on on what's going on and, and people's motivations and chip i think is like from daredevil to this to sex criminals he's good at getting down to somebody's motivations and showing that they can do bad things but maybe they have a reason or you know they've, they've got more going on than sort of the one note characters that we've kind of been trained to look for in comics or just in fiction in general i mean like yeah. you know you can have two drinking womanizing frat bros that are best friends and on the outside you're like there's nothing redeeming about those guys but they could care a lot about each other and take care of one another and be really really good friends while also having not redeeming qualities and i think that like that is kind of akin to the character work that's done in this issue so i was i was really impressed with it and i don't necessarily generally gravitate towards horror books like, felt like a very that. generic like image skybound kind of sci-fi like realistic world with one small kind of sci-fi twist and it's like yeah i don't, I don't I, really care I, I i don't really care i agree but i do think the thing that stood out about it is that the characters were really well developed 
Like to yeah. me, it, that that was the most impressive part was that I don't know that I would make it more than two or three issues into the series, but um, I do think that the, the thing that stands out about it the most is that like this is, definitely... these are characters that are viewed from very uh, multiple angles, and I think that that's a challenging thing for a writer to do. They were definitely well developed, and I think his his character work is usually where he really shines. Uh, but they still, by the end of it, didn't quite didn't quite hook me. I guess I don't know. And it's kind of uh, it's kind of nice to have a Chip Zdarsky written book on my radar that I can just kind of not worry about because I First, pretty much read everything else he writes. Yeah, you you definitely need those. I was surprised that he was able to do a perf a, like a pitch perfect version of one of my girlfriends at the gas station. No. Um, yeah, the the person who just doesn't know where the town is, and and doesn't it just is she just care looks to... like and doesn't care to help. Yeah, um, I dated her for a while, a long while actually. I would give it a seven point five. Sure. Yeah, I give it a five. It was it was fine, but I I, I think I'll I've... I think I'll pass. Um, what did I give Iron Man? No, oh, sorry, nine point five was the one before it. I think you said like a uh, seven or an eight, seven point five, maybe. Andrew, I think does. you can give relative scores, and Andrew will figure it out in the yeah. mix. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, this I like this better than Iron Man a little bit, so I'll give this an eight. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the art was very good at being art of people in cars in cities, like just yeah. like rich facial expressions atmospheres emotions like i don't know i don't like i don't know if i would have read like more than two or three issues of white trees you know like i don't like i think he's very good at writing different types of stories that aren't necessarily my favorite things but i'm very impressed at like the diversity of his writing like it's daredevil is very different than this which is very different than white trees which is very different than sex criminals and that kind of blows my mind What's our next book? Roman? Oh, it's... Um, um, Once in Future 11? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, What's going on? I, I read the first arc of this book and then was like, all right, that felt like a, a solid enough story I don't need to read more of, but they're clearly alluded to more stuff happening. What's What's been going on? Are they solving more medieval mysteries? They're... Well, it's still kind of the same mystery. Um, King Arthur has been resuscitated, but he's... Just a real jerk. If I get this right, yeah, he's more evil than the myths ever told us, or maybe he's evil now because he's, you know, or he's just way out of he touch. He was way, way racist back then, and that's just still racist today. Brought back. He didn't age well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he didn't age well. <laughs> he's <over> problematic. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what book just calls somebody? Was it Stillwater that just says like, hey, "Dude's problematic." Yeah, yeah, and, and recently. Um, Beowulf was mystically called up from the past. Cool. That's and, cool. And he's, yeah, he's really awesome. He's always got a little bit of fire just on him because he's Beowulf and he's fire. Um, yeah. So because he's shown up, the last issue, uh, Grendel shows up in the hospital where, um, or the old folks' home, where the main guy's grandmother lives, the grandma with all the secrets. And They've all the had a falling out. The grandmother yeah. and the grandson have had a falling out. Yeah, they've had a falling out. Um, the guy's uh, kind of maybe almost girlfriend. She's still kind of helping them. She's so, yeah, she's helping grandma more than him, right? Like doing yeah, a bunch of like wayline 
Or, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, her and grandma are—they've clicked more than her and the guy. Because the guy is still kind of reluctant and doesn't believe in a lot of this stuff. Doesn't want to shoot the bad yeah, guys. Despite the what he's seen and everything, and, and and the woman and the grandma are both like, "No, no, we're on the same wavelength." There's there's magic, and we got to do stuff, and the dangerous crap in the world. Um, last issue, they've defeated Grendel, so. Of course, the Beowulf story, once you defeat Grendel, then Grendel's mom's going to show up, and that's what happens in this issue. Um, okay. And, Grendel mom? Yeah. Yeah. Her name is never given, I don't think, in, in, in the stories. It's just Grendel's mother, hmm. um, who's a horror. I mean, like in the Neil Gaiman movie, it's Ange- Angelina, Angelina Jolie and a beautiful woman, but she's actually a horrible, horrible, hideous monster demon thing. That fucking movie is so wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a cool movie and this when she shows up oh my it's it's also quite horrible and gory and 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 scary oh it's scary mm. <laughs> yeah um that's uh, making me want to read this book again dude I, i've been loving the book it's for anyone book. listening who is confused issue nine was shorted to us and then we weren't able to get replacements and then boom is amazing they're doing a second printing so that's you know for a lot of reasons but one of those is that we will get to have second printings we'll fill our subscribers so if you are a subscriber at our store and you're like yeah i feel like something weird happened where i missed an issue you did and i'm sorry i also missed that issue and then read number 10 and you know skated through it but i haven't read 11 yet yeah and actually i did say it a little wrong most of the issue 11 is they the grandma defeats uh grendel and then the mother shows up at -hmm. the end of this and there's even you could say a kind of tie-in with hickman's x books oh because because where king arthur and all that mythology comes from is other Swords. world oh. <laughs> well, yeah, kind, of, kind of is other world which is yeah, also yeah, yeah. where captain britain and all his stuff also comes from that same other world so That's we're right. gonna see a once in future and and excalibur crossover any day now oh karen gillen has written x-men before yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's got Jeff, a standing this... invitation to write any more. Hickman has said, anytime you ever want to come in and write one, you have a standing open Oh, man. Invitation. I would love that. I liked yeah. his X Men stuff quite a bit. I'll give it a nine and a half. Nice. Wow. Hey, Roman, do you Hot have book. we just not talked about your gooey duck yet? Or do you know what your gooey duck for the week was? You know, my gooey duck retrospectively is actually the Grant Morrison story in that Detective yeah. 1027. <laughs> Get it. Yeah. Get it. Get it. Um, Don't. Yeah, get it yeah. away from us yeah Th- though i'm suspect please. it will also be the hulk this week which i haven't read yet not zero mm. no though andrew carlson friend of the show tells me zero was really good too zero okay. looks cool it's got a lot of modern stuff around yeah, i started reading it it's like this is cool but then it started doing some some reprints of classes i was like i, I don't have time to read all this. right <laughs> so i can't no, yeah i didn't realize it was a double-sized ish- reprint issue with yeah. a new framing device but yeah, because there's there's definitely continuity story yeah. stuff happening around it, which yeah, uh, I'm excited to read it because it's all revisiting like Bruce Banner's twisted psyche, <laughs> his twisted worldview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, guy, Bruce, Brayden. Yeah, tell us where you're at with Saladin Ahmed, a fantastic science fiction writer who is now writing Conan: Battle for the Serpent Crown. You got the Not final issue. This we haven't talked about this one at all. Oh, is it, he? He hasn't been writing that series. Well, no. This is this is the last one. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just uh, real quick, I've just been enjoying it. It starts with you know Conan in Las Vegas trying to 
figure out how to be, you know, a barbarian in, you know, modern day times in, in freaking Las Vegas. Uh, but, you know, he just travels around and pals around with various Marvel characters. He meets a, a character who's kind of showing him the ropes of modern society, um, who's really cool and apparently shows up in a earlier issue or is a part of Marvel canon already. I don't know where from, but she's really cool. They hang out together. They get adventures. They fight Namor in the last issue. Um, it's just really fun, really cool, like Conan. Like I think Ahmed does a really good job writing his voice and his uh just dealing with with modern society is is really amusing and, and good <laughs> um but yeah i don't, don't want to talk too much about the issue because i know we're running short on time uh and people have asked asked me questions on facebook that i want to answer real quick did you read any of the jason aaron savage avengers i i've read some savage avengers which i've i've, I've always enjoyed or jerry dugan i guess Jerry Dugan did that. Yeah, I, I didn't read Jason Aaron's Conan proper series. Right. But. I, I've really enjoyed Conan trying to deal with modern things from like guns yeah. to uh, boats. Yeah, the, the gun stuff with the Punisher was was very, very fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, bring, you bringing this up made me realize I need to get caught up on this series. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just good, solid comic book. It's got a very kind of classic adventure like miniseries feel to it. Um, in terms of like superhero comic style, but yeah, I don't. Know. I give it. I give it an eight out of ten. Um, and then Django, do you want to send us home with a little conversation about a little a little book that you've been reading that Braden also read a bit of? This is oh, yeah. uh, Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut, adapted by Ryan North and Albert Montiez. And he's one of those up and coming comic writers, right? Ryan North? Yeah, he did. No, uh, no, no. Girl. Kurt Vonnegut? Uh, he did. <laughs> Kurt. No, isn't Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut dead? Yeah, he, I think so. Yeah. How did he write the comic? Uh, he wrote the, he wrote the book that the comic is based on, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see. And it's weird. Like, I haven't read a ton of Kurt Vonnegut novels. I've maybe read two of them. But this you, book is. You haven't read this book, though, right? I haven't read this one. It's super weird, and it feels like his writing. The the they're playing with the comic book format quite a bit. And the art feels to me a little bit like uh, the good parts of Greg Hinkle, who did Airboy, which we loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only about a third of the way through, and this is probably going to be in my top three favorite comics for the year. It's really um, cool. Wow. Like, yeah. I'm I'm probably less farther far in than than you are, and I'm really enjoying it right off the bat. It's, mm-hmm. I think they're really using the medium in some really interesting ways to tell a really disjointed story like as it's yeah. told in the book like it's but it's so much easier to track in, in a comic book with all the graphics and stuff like it's really well done yeah and i'm not sure why i've avoided the novel for so long um maybe just because i don't i'm, I'm pretty choosy about the novels that i read and because of time and I already have a couple of war books that I really, really love and don't need to fill my brain with more war books. But this is set during the firebombing of Dachau. And uh, Dresden. Dresden, sorry. And it's um, also has like aliens and time travel. Yeah, it's very and, much an atypical war story. It's so wild and out there, 
but as you're reading it, it all just kind of flows and fits together and makes sense. The characters are so grounded, even though there's aliens and time travel and and all this weird stuff. Brayden, you said you have read the book. Mm -hmm. So I always feel a little in like, I have a weird relationship when books are adapted to graphic novels and then deciding to read the graphic novel instead of the book. If I haven't read the book, can you comment on if this feels like a thing that like, for example, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas had a graphic novel adaptation that came out like three years yeah. ago. And I was like, that's I've, awesome, but I didn't want to read it. Rather yeah, than I feel like I've, I've never really enjoyed graphic novel adaptations of like classic books I've read because uh, I feel like a lot of times they're just, you know, a flat retelling with pictures. Like um, Classics Illustrated? Yeah. Um, like there was a, a Fahrenheit 451 mm-hmm. adaptation, like which is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite books, but the graphic novel just like felt like, you know, less of the book and some pictures and you know yeah stories stories like that especially ones that just follow like like beat for beat line for line or don't really interest me but this one is doing such interesting things with the the format um and like just even like you know the placement of like word balloons like you know because in the in the book every time a character dies like he writes um so it goes um and so but in this like you just see you know uh, a narrated text box, you know, so it goes whenever there's like a dead uh, character on the page. It's mm. just like, you know, little things like that. It all comes together. Like, I'm I'm really interested in this and like, I think Ryan North and, and yeah, and uh, what's his name? Albert Montes. Albert Montes, yeah. Montes. Montes. I think they're really like taking this pretty seriously and pretty like bringing some imaginative ideas to it. I didn't realize Ryan North was associated with it before it was in our store. Mm-hmm. Which is like Kurt Vonnegut was like a wild writer. He he wrote yeah. stuff that was kind of hard to track. Like uh, like if if Tom Robbins was taken to the extreme in his kind of disjointed storytelling style, um, and this comic just I, I'm I'm just blown away at how well it captures that feeling and is still readable and interesting. Yeah. Of course, Tom Robbins of Evan Cowgirls Get the Blues Breakfast of Champions and Made of Heaven Made in Heaven Fame. Classic. Yeah, Evan Evan pronounces his name even. Right. Yeah, I mean you can I mean, you know, <laughs> sure. Evan even it's made of Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Chase chase your bliss. Uh, just just another to? kind of uh post beatnik writer, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Um I yeah, this this is going to be in my top top three for the end of the year, unless somebody does something pretty amazing in the next four months, and they I don't think they've announced it yet. Hmm. Certainly or the, not or in the, the book Batman really series. gets boring suddenly somehow. Yeah, yeah, it might get really bad in the back half. Um, well, on that note, listen, it's 194. It's not 195. It's not 193. Um, that one fell through a crack and then became anyway. <laughs> that's where we're at. Um, you can get us a question. Listen. I've got a couple emails in the in- email inbox bin of requests for ideas for what we should do for episode 200. So I Braden feel got like a couple questions too. Braden got some questions. Well, yeah. For the podcast. Yeah. I, I, just, I just posted on Facebook earlier today that I was going to be on it. And some people, Shh. I totally Shit. fucked up your wrap up on this seven hour. Episode. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was happening. <laughs> yeah, um, no, no. I, I should have said something way earlier. I was befuddled <laughs> when you mentioned, in. I have some answers questions to answer on Facebook. I was like, is he just fielding answers on Facebook while we're, pop- yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just working. Totally, while we're I get it. I get it. I get it. Dear I get Jason, it. wait, 
Do you do you want to do you want to throw a rapid fire in a rapid? Yeah, round? just there is real it. quick. There's Get there's it. not a ton. Um, Andrew Carlson, uh, who is a friend of the show, uh, to my understanding, uh, asked about Iron Man, which we talked about. Um, which I would again recommend reading that review. I mentioned uh, favorite series coming out right now. He asks, I would say probably either Wind or uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which has been phenomenal. Sophie uh, got back on writing it. Yeah, well, and she was still like story credit right. while while the colorist I think was was scripting the dialogue, and I think she's going to be drawing it again sometime in the next few issues. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a permanent thing, but uh, her art rules definitely. Like this is a great hopping on point for the turtles. Yep. Uh, that first paperback I think just came out. Yeah, like are they and, still heroes in a half shell? Yep, I would say so. Yeah, um, cool. And like I've got no nostalgia for the turtles, so like uh, this is you can trust my opinion when I say it's good. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I just I still also can't, as just a, I, an asterisk note, you can trust all of our opinions on this podcast all the time. <laughs> yeah, baggage free enjoyment. Um. And then uh, lastly, Andrew asks about my favorite donut, which is a uh, chocolate frosting with sprinkles, um, preferably a bar, but a regular old donut will work too. Glazed is fine. Uh, never feel filling ever. Don't need that stuff in there. <laughs> what about uh, maple? Yeah, it's not, I don't like it. Okay. But, I mean, I'll eat it if I have to. <laughs> I've seen him eat those when he is forced to, and he doesn't eat them with the joy that he does if it's a chocolate donut. No, it just feels like bad frosting, like less sweet. <laughs> just give me the regular frosting. Um, Laurie, Laurie Walters asked about uh, Undone by Blood, which is being turned into a TV series. I think it was a Vault book by Lonnie Adler writing it. Did any of you read that? Yeah, I read it. Uh, Aftershock. I think there's only Aftershock. two issues out so far. Okay, was, maybe there's was, a third that I missed. I was scouring the email trying to find a. No one subscribed to, to it, and we've stopped it. ordering it. Okay. It, yeah. What I read, I really enjoyed. Okay. Um, the it, it's a nice parallel of like a woman going back to a small town to take some vengeance, and the art is super cool. I like the writer just in general. The stuff they've done is good, and um, I'm thrilled that those guys were able to get. Uh, get a uh, movie option for it or a show or w whatever it is uh i'm in sweet um so yeah i, I haven't read it at all um but I'm, I'm, I'm curious about it now so yeah i'll check that out listen laurie if you want opinions on slight cowboy stuff like <laughs> i'm not the guy to go to <laughs> cowboy cowgirl small town violent guns uh you know maybe Braden read it i definitely read it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then lastly uh from from good old will elmer um asks how am i liking wind so far which i would say quite a bit although i would say the the exposition bit in issue three was the first time it kind of dragged for me but like the emotional beats hit so hard in that last issue that it i pretty i forgot about it pretty quickly um so yeah lo loving that series um and asked about my final thoughts on the final issues of Sex Criminals, which um, I've only read the first volume of Sex Criminals, and that was uh, years and years ago. When I first hundred years ago. <laughs> it was back when I lived in the Marmalade Manor, so you all know how long ago that was. I um, certainly do. Jeff does. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're great, because uh, Chip and Matt are pretty cool. Um, 
And then he also asks, how did I feel about the Hulkling and Weakened stuff that took place in Empire, which I only read the first and last issues of Empire and the Lords of Empire one that uh, Anthony Oliveira and Chip Zdarsky co-wrote, um, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, um, it seemed, it felt very much like an event to me, which is usually pretty boring. And, uh, but I, I really appreciated that, you know, a queer couple, like, especially one that's Hulk, Hulkling and Weekend, who are very cool, uh, taking front and center stage was, was really fun. What did you think of the secret variant cover of the, sorry, we're running over. I, we're I super fucking that. running over. Um, I but I do want to say for the that. emotional punches that Seven Secrets by Tom Taylor was exactly the best things about a Tom Taylor book. Um, mm-hmm. When Braden oh. said emotional punches, I was like, oh, I read two? Seven Secrets, yeah, to mention on the podcast, but oh, the gosh. emotional punches of that book are phenomenal. Um, <laughs> Django, hey, thanks for being here, bud. Oh, anytime, Jeff. Nice. I love the shower of compliments Roman and I got. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, you showed up, Django. You, know, yeah, you don't well, have to point that out, Braden. I, I got it when Jeff did it. I didn't yeah. get it. I just like, <laughs> hey, listen, I just assume that Django and I are in everything. He's not, a, I'm not, listen. He's the reason I'm here. I'm not grateful for him being here. I'm obligated to be here because of Django. So, like, thanks, Django, for being my partner. Thank you, everybody, for making this better in this mess that Django and I have made together. So, Braden, thank you for putting Jeff on his back foot. It's rare and a pleasure to see. Oh, I always, I always feel bad as soon as I do it. <laughs> it's very awkward. All right, everybody, we will see you next week for 195, not 194, not 193. That was a couple weeks ago or something. Um, and I will see. Also, info at thecomicspace.com. If you have recommendations or suggestions for something you want to see for episode 200, Nathan, Will, and Andrew, maybe Will, have sent emails with pretty awesome suggestions, like actually well-written cool things. Um, so don't have those standards. But if anybody has questions or thoughts or something for 200, that's five episodes away. I don't think that we'll get the gooey duck hunting excursion totally together by then but i think 250 is a really safe bet because we'll be able to go to yeah. the uh, peninsula and all stay in roman and i's collective therapist spare room in court <laughs> yeah. or something but um <laughs> all right everybody thanks for being here we'll see you all seriously Braden, thank you for joining you're welcome anytime yeah thanks. Yeah, thank you roman and Django, you're just always here yeah it's good to have you here Braden. thanks roman